Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with us, Lavender Gooms. Ahoy. Finally, also joining us this week, Kid Presentable. You know, it's a shame we don't got that video format anymore, because this would be the episode to have it. Because also joining me is a little puppy bulldog. Yes, Kid Presentable's got a little puppy bulldog. If at no point you see any pictures or anything of this on our Instagram page, just know that Kid Presentable has failed you on every level from a media point of view. But also, the It's M Amazing Army grows by one this week. You know, if there's ever one thing that would uh, really uh, up our followers on the It's M Amazing Twitter or a Facebook account or Instagram account is if we have little puppies on there. So, uh, Steph, do your job. Hey, Mike, you, uh, you want to know a fun fact about this little puppy? Uh, he, name, says, he says uh, waffles are better than pancakes. Does he uh, know we, what should, solid we, food is yet? We should just address the elephant in the room, right? Because we, we've seen the comments, and we saw waffles v. pancakes v. Uh, FT trending after the podcast yep. went up. And, and we know everyone's thinking, is this the end of It's M Amazing Radio? Tensions were high last week, but... I think we all found common ground, and we can all agree that breakfast is awesome. Yes. And also, one other thing. I know tensions were high last week, and I will concede, not saying that waffles are better, but I had breakfast at a diner the other day where I did have pancakes, and they were delicious. But I did see the table next next to us get waffles that just had a shit ton of fruit on it. And I'm like, wow, that looks really good. You can't do that on a pancake. So you did not think maybe that omelet I saw that was across the table from you that came with toast and hash browns and bacon was the better choice in general. Ah, well, Bobby, you also got to remember that we shared the breakfast. So, so had... did, did it not come with anything else? Because usually when, if I get pancakes, I need a little extra something. You didn't well, get it. I mean, you shared. Here's the thing, but... here's the thing Mark. Um, pancakes don't need anything else, all right? You're good with just a pancake. I mean, it sounds like you did because you needed to share an entirely different meal made up of literally everything pancakes do not have. Okay, well, now we're just going have, into a different breakfast with a When you have breakfast with a nice lady, Bobby, uh, you got to share. That's just what happens. Look, man, I don't know about y'all. I want, I want bacon. I want toast. I want eggs. This is why I do breakfast is I want a lot of things. Yeah. Just, I don't need pancakes. We do get the waffle combo because just the waffle, just the pancakes is not enough to satiate my breakfast hunger because I need the eggs, I need the bacon or the sausage, and I need the toast, and you need the coffee. Those kind of all go together. That's why the cereal commercial doesn't just have the cereal. You got the milk and the orange juice and the toast because you have to have a complete breakfast. Look, it, the, bread, the meal isn't over until Mark has eaten the unborn child of the animal along with the animal itself okay and you have to feel sick you have to have <laughs> killed the lineage and feel disgusted by your own gluttony at the end of the meal that's how i do it i don't know how anyone else does it but that's how i do it 
Awesome. This is just going to be a breakfast podcast. We're going to call it the Breakfast Club, except ours is going to be about breakfast. I was a little, uh, I was a little offended that in the uh, podcast description from last week, Pancakes v. Waffles was not on there. You know what? I didn't. Uh, honestly, my SEO strategy was not to target, you know, breakfast enthusiasts. Maybe this week because we are now like five minutes in almost. Of, uh, we're doing a hard pivot, guys. Yeah. How many, <laughs> however many hundreds of episodes win? We're hard pivoting now. Let's, this is a fun game. Who? Let's see who th- who's. I know the answer to this. So you three, how many episodes have we done? Who gets the closest? Mike, go. We've done a hundred eighty-five. Okay, Mark. Uh, uh, two. Two. Two fifteen. Okay, Stefan. I'm gonna go with it's an amazing three sixteen. Says I'm. I think I'm the closest. <laughs> Did we hit that recently? Is that oh, one? my God. Like, Mike and Mark, Jesus Christ. Like, right, Jesus Christ. We're at, it, it, this is 341. Let me go with that to begin oh, with. Stefan like, wins. Yeah. We literally <laughs> had, like, a whole thing about episode 300. Like, you That's just do some thing. simple math. I remember math. that we hit 300. I just did it. I lost track after 300. Jesus Christ. In fairness, in fairness to me and Mark, we have so much fun doing this podcast. It only feels like we've done 180 or 200 episodes. If I'm, if I'm Mark, I, only if I'm Mark I, I unhitch myself from the mic wagon because Mark, is well, his guess is almost like... Wait, I what? knew we passed. You, Mark, <laughs> Mark is like, what did, you, what did you say, Mark, 215 or 220? Yeah, I was, I was thinking 220. He's like, that would be a okay, you, my, Mark's nine months past Mike, at least, in the predictions. Mike is, <laughs> thinks we've only been doing this for like four years. <laughs> No, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like four years. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Welcome to episode 340. 185. My God. Um, Episode 341. Stefan said episode 316 because we saw a commercial and they showed Stone Cold on it. That's part of it too. Um, All right. We're going to talk about these fights that happened on Saturday. Uh, More specifically, Mark and I are going to talk about the top three Um, because that's what we saw. First off, Marcus... I did not want Aspen Ladd to win because I was worried they're gonna make her fight Amanda Nunes. Durandy no took care of that for me, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, in spectacular fashion. I mean, if you had a preference one way or the other, you know, a, a big TKO knockout in the women's bantamweight division isn't something that you see super often. So this was a big win for um, Durandamine, and you know, I, I know on this podcast. Some feeling towards her is not super positive, but this was a good show. Marcus, and- in fairness, our podcast, I feel, is fa- more fair than much of the internet when it comes to Mr. Randomy. <laughs> Maybe. I-, I know I wasn't super... I never had super negative feelings towards her. I felt it was weird to to get the um, the featherweight belt right and then not defend it against the most obvious challengers. It's like, well, why did you want the belt? The, the only other woman in the weight class, quite frankly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but that being said, I, I feel with this performance, and it was very spectacular. I mean, I, we can talk about the fight a little bit. Uh, there's some controversy if it was ended a little too soon or not. Um, I think that that's debatable, um, but you can't debate that. Jermaine hit her with a fantastic right straight that sent her straight to the canvas. You know, um, the follow-up punch didn't really land when the fight was broken up. Um, Aspen Ladd looked like she had her faculties with her. It, and I said, I thought her her facial expressions looked a little weird. When she was kind of getting to the butt scoot position, there was just, there was no reaction on her face. She was extremely calm, so she didn't look frazzled. But she also, it also, when you have that kind of, 
straight face. It could be like, is she even there? Is she kind of just moving with the motions? Is she really conscious at this moment? And she, it seemed like she was, you know, it seems like in retrospect, um, Aspen Ladd could have lasted a bit longer and we could have gotten more of a fight out of this. But, you know, the referee did what the referee does. And when it comes to stoppages, whether they're early or late, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on, those are better or worse. Well, right? Uh, we also had a situation here, Marcus. And Steph, I believe I sent this to you when it happened that Miss Ladd had a really, really bad weight cut. And we all saw a woman trembling and almost in tears on a scale. And I know the referee's supposed to not necessarily think about these things, but, I mean, she gets hit with one punch and just is on her ass immediately. Um, you got to think that might have crept into Herb Dean's mind because we've seen people take far, far worse. I mean, yes and no. Um, I agree. I saw, I did see that, and, yeah, she looked really bad. She missed weight in her last fight, so she kind of felt pressure to make it down. But, I mean, if that's what it takes to cut, maybe she does to need to move up. But I don't even know how good that is because she seemed a lot smaller than Durandamy. Like, she seemed significantly smaller. And if she's having trouble making the weight, I don't know that going up weight class is going to be better for her. Um, it just might need to be a change. Uh, maybe it did. I also am in the camp. Dean's, he, he's kind of been waning in recent times. You know, he used to be kind of the gold standard for refs. But uh, he's had a rocky endings to fights you know he's famously part of the ben askren robbie lawler uh kerfuffle so dean uh he he's got some not good looks to some of his calls in uh recent times herb dean could have saved par, par ben askren from so much embarrassment can someone tell me is aspen lad even really considered a large 135er no you know what it is mike i think she's young still and she's not totally figured out what to do with this because she's not like out of shape either so no, but some, also I mean, in, in, not here to body shame or anything, but she seemed a little softer too. Like right? she's she's not cut up. Like to make thirty five for her weight to for her height, I think she should be able to, but she just needs to, you know, lose some of the fat. And I hate to say that as someone who has put on a lot of poundage recently, I know how difficult you know that kind of stuff to be. But if you know if you're in the fight game, it's controlling your weight. And being able to cut the weight and be strong at that weight is a. I mean, she's she's Ronda, she's Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate sized. So, she, yeah, she should be able. Folsom Lake College. It's not the body okay. shame. I agree with you, Mark. But it's frankly, for us, our profession is not our bodies. You right. Know? Yeah. We don't make a living off of. What you know, you our know bodies what? Can. She made weight. She didn't make it last time. She made it this time. It just didn't look good. So hopefully, it she's, just looked awful. She's it just you like know she's James getting closer Irvin though. Kind of bad. Well, okay, it wasn't James Irvin is the gold standard. You know, she's not she's not immediately she's not immediately boxing with Ali here with her shitty weight cuts. And she's kind of in a tough position. Not at the moment. It's really not that bad because there's kind of a 145 division, right? We have at least two players. So if she was I mean, because before that, it was kind of like, well, 45, is that going to stay around? Maybe it was mentally. She's like, well, it's in my best interest to make bantamweight work. You know, because that's where the fights are. That's the division that's going to have longevity that has had longevity. 45 is new and has been fluttering. But now that we have, you know, Amanda Nunes has kind of saved that division in a way because she wants to defend at 45. So it's like, you kind of have a division there. There's some girls in that division that Aspen Ladd could, you know, lock I mean, horns she, with she, and make a name for herself. You got to just maybe chalk it up to just, it didn't, she had a couple bad cuts because she fought at flyweight for nine amateur fights and first two pro fights. And now she's uh, had six bantamweight fights here at pro. So she should, she's got to get it together. Big win for Durandamy. Um, 
She had a bunch of people questioning whether she'd be willing to fight Amanda Nunes, which I'm not going to blame anybody for asking that question when she wouldn't fight, you know, Chris sure. Cyborg last time. I and hope she's, the answer is yes. She said she would fight Amanda Nunes, yes. Okay, uh, good. Um, so uh, we got a contender at 135, Jermaine Randomy, and we got a contender at 145 after Cyborg fights uh, Felicia Spencer in two weeks in what is truly a pay-per-view not worth anybody's money. Um, all right, co-main event. Uh, Uriah Faber, plus 250 underdog, against a young guy. You know, they do the thing they do. They book a young guy against an old legend to see if they can make a name off of him. Put Uriah Faber in Sacramento and try to convince people that that's worth drive, worth going to a fight. Did not work on three people on this podcast. Um for a 40-second fight, a lot of stuff happened. Um, Ricky Simon was doing okay. It looked like he caught Uriah a little bit with a couple punches, I thought. And then Marcus just some a murderous leg kick towards the end there. Um, I guess it's weird to say for a guy who had a 40-second fight, he actually... I saw some stuff, I guess. And then Uriah Faber uncorked the Team Alpha Male overhand right. Put the kid down, TKO. Some people were questioning the stoppage, but everybody forgot that um, quickly once the main event happened. Um, old man Uriah Faber, Marcus, comes out to a hero's welcome in Sacramento. Felt like it was like 2007. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think in a lot of people's minds, this kind of was the main event, especially if you're from Sacramento. This is probably why you got the tickets to see Faber return and to fight a, you know, a tough young prospect um, in Ricky Simon. And for him to, to do what he was able to do, um, I don't think it was like super surprising because when Faber went out, he went out on top. He beat Brad Pickett. It's not like the wheels were completely off. He just, it didn't seem when he left that he really was going to be a real top contender still. Like he, he was losing those big fights he needed to win to kind of get in the title picture again. But he was like, he's still a very formidable foe, right? He he didn't go out because he's getting knocked out. He just went out because he was kind of done at that time. I mean, still man hasn't fought since... I mean, he was a two and a half to one underdog for a reason. The man hadn't fought in three years almost. Yeah, so. there's definitely reasons to question his return, but it was also when you just look at Uriah Faber, it he's not the guy that is fluctuating in weight, right? He's not a Quentin Jackson that's ballooning up and has to cut weight. Like this dude is just an active motherfucker. His entire life, dude's always been shredded and is fit. So you had to imagine when he made that that decision to get back in the ring. I don't think there was a lot of preparation to get him back in shape. I think he was already in the gym, putting rounds in grappling with the guys there. I don't feel like I never felt like he would have lost a step. Right. And I think the most shocking thing was seeing the tail of the tape and seeing him be 40. I was like, damn, he's, he's a lot older than he was. When you start doing the math, you're like, ah, shit, I'm 33. Because well, that, like, that... I was really getting it. I mean, when I started listening to Share Dog's podcast, like Uriah Faber was like the underground prospect that they were highly touting. Like, this dude's the future. You need to get on this. I mean, before then, I mean, he might not even have been fighting in WBC at that point, to be honest. And I think when they were really ramping him up is when he started making his big splash there. So this guy's been around forever. So, and, and, and back when he left, I kind of, I was, like, like we talked about earlier, Bobby, Uriah Faber has, has really pivoted business-wise very well in his career, where he's made a very good career fighting, where he made probably more money than a lot of the other feather bantamweights for not holding the belt just because he was such a draw. And he had pivoted... I mean, if you tell me he made the, he's made the second most amount of money off of this after Connor at that at featherweight... 
I mean, for guys who are 145 right. pounds or smaller, I would not be surprised if he'd made. I mean, a, I, I think Aldo might have been. Aldo, maybe. I mean, I mean, for a guy who never. I mean, because he had the belt, right? Yeah. 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 For a guy who never had the belt, probably easily cleared the most money. And what we're also alluding to is that he's done, he's made some very wise business decisions outside of the octagon, which, you know, I often talk about, you know, these fighters. I really always hope they have some kind of plan B, some way to continue to let the money roll in so they don't have to do what Faber did, which was his decision because he's just a competitive person. And it wasn't a Chris Lieben, Ken Shamrock scenario where it's like, one, they just, they love to compete, but it's also like, I need to pay the bills still, and I still have a name to draw. You can tell that Faber was just in it because he loved the sport. And a spectacular win here against a young kid. Um, you know, hit him hard with that overhand right. Again, kind of like the other fight. There's some questions of Ricky Simon was really out. I think if I remembering this fight, because I'm getting this fight and the Josh Emmett fight a little confused, I feel like there was some follow-up ground and pound, and I think one of the strikes – it didn't knock uh, Ricky Simon completely unconscious, but it looked like he went limp for a second. And that's when the referee was like, okay, I've seen enough. Yeah. And after that, Ricky was still kind of in it, but there was that moment where he took a shot and he kind of looked like he went out just for a split second. I mean, ref- this one, no one's saying a bad stoppage. The argument was like, eh, you probably might have let him. Uh, compared to the main event, there was far, far less controversy. Yeah. And you think, like, this guy's a young kid. He could probably have gone in there and who knows, you know, maybe turn yeah. something around. But ultimately, it, you almost didn't even want it to go long because there's such a, this guy's coming back. He's such a local hero. We want him to get that victory. I don't think Ricky Simon's career is going to, you know, fledger a lot here because of this loss. So it's kind of like everyone kind of wins, you know, Ricky gets, you know, maybe a bad call, but you know, he loses against a legend. And ultimately I think he gets more name exposure just being in this fight than he would be fighting someone on the undercard, which he probably would have done if he wasn't fighting favor. So, um, you know, maybe a weird call from the ref, but ultimately, yeah. I don't think too many people are upset about what happened. All right. Well, let's just get into the weird part here. Mike, Faber went out there, got a nice win in Sacramento. He went on a microphone. He did his thing he does, which is talk about every goddamn person in his gym. Lied to us, said Song Yadong, taught him that overhand right, like we haven't been seeing that overhand right since 2005. And then he responded to Henry Cejudo calling him out like a month ago by just saying hey henry what's up and now we're going back and forth on twitter and well what do you think man are we gonna have to watch this (laughs) well i think there's a reason why even though he's never won ufc gold he's one of the more lucrative uh bantamweights that's ever uh ever fought in the ufc yeah, yeah, we're going to see this. He's setting up so that he can get his way into another title shot. Well, the sad part is when, like, Henry called him out, and everybody was like, the fuck? And then, like, well, we're not going to worry about that. And then Uriah Faber knocked the motherfucker out, and now here we are. Like, this was gifted to him somehow. I mean, I, no, no, okay. Nobody here thinks it's going to be competitive if it happened. We have a clear number one contender at flyweight in Joseph Benavidez. We have a clear number one contender at bantamweight in Aljamain Sterling. I mean, he's the guy also just has shoulder surgery, Mike. What are we? Is, are we, Joseph, is Joseph Benavides still at Alpha Male? I think on and off. I don't know, man. It look, Alpha Male looks like a bunch of 22-year-olds and Andre Feely now. That's what Alpha Male appears to be. I, I would argue, I think if it happens, I think that fight can be competitive. Not a lot of people starch Faber. I mean, he's like he's not a good wrestler. What 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 does he do better than Henry Cejudo? 
I don't think I don't think one. I think the most important thing is I don't think he's deserving of it necessarily. There's other guys who have done more that deserve it more. But I'm not going to sit here and think like, oh yeah, Ryan Faber can't hang with anybody. I think he can hang with anybody in these divisions. I don't think he wins a lot of these fights against the top guys, but I think he hangs. I don't. I mean, who who's some guys that really stopped Uriah Faber? I mean, I'm, trying, I'm honestly trying well, to. Well, think like, you, you, don't have, bum, you don't have to. Uh, yeah, you don't have to get stopped for this fight. I mean, it can be not competitive and not get to have a finish, though. I'm just then saying. I'll say I, this: like, what fights was he not competitive in? I mean, I thought Frankie Edgar washed him pretty well. I'm trying to look at his fights now. It's been a couple years. They're all decisions except for the brow fight. And like Steph, good pull. Uh, he did finish. He finished Faber in the first round, so that you know, legitimately there. I mean, uh, you know, okay, I mean, like the third Dominic fight, but Dominic that was a wash so too, man. That was nothing a, to, to sneeze at. I mean, okay, look, he didn't. He went out before he started losing the guys that weren't good. I'll give you that. And look, I think I. I mean, I like your Ryan Faber a lot, man, but. Okay, I'm not even saying like, okay, the argument for me isn't that it will, if it's competitive, we need to see this. We know why we would see this. I'm just wondering, do you guys think it's actually, Mike thinks it's actually, we're going to get there. We're going to have to see this. Do you think it's going to happen, actually? Let's go with you, Steph. I mean, there's so much bullshit the way fights are booked. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. There's nothing sporting. Benavidez 100 times deserve it. Like... I feel like everyone outside of Sacramento and the Uriah Faber gravity pull, when that whole thing of Sehudo came up, like it was a collective eye roll, at least for me anyways. Like it's absurd for him to potentially get it, but it's absolutely in the realm of possibility just because we're like in the twilight zone of fight booking. Like nothing needs to make sense, you know, like in terms of booking. It's not a sporting thing where you gotta be ranked in the top one or two to get the title shot. Title shots can happen for any goddamn reason. Interim title shots can happen just because the champ is healthy but not fighting for two months. Nothing makes sense in the world of title fights in the UFC anymore. So, of course, it can happen. I would just, like, I would have no interest in watching it, though. Someone found a video from, like, Henry Cejudo visiting Team Alpha Male in 2009. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's on ESPN, too. Good. That's great. Um, all right. Uh, one other fight that we can mention here. Josh Emmett. Knocked out Merced, Mersad Bektik. I, Josh Emmett, I think he showed up as like a top five guy so quickly and then got knocked out. And then we're like, we, or he got knocked out or submitted, but he got finished. And then it came and went so quickly, Mark, that it was almost like we we're just like, well, that might have been nothing. And then maybe it is, man. Maybe he is something, though. He's been showing in his last couple fights. Yeah, I mean his his rise to kind of fame really came when he when he had that fight with Jeremy Stevens. That was kind of really, I mean, he beat Ricardo Lamas. I think that really put him on the map for a lot of people. And then him in the the Jeremy Stevens fight was a main event fight, right? And this was really Emmett's coming out party. And they had a you know a good competitive fight, but Jeremy knocked him out in the second round. And you know maybe we thought at that point, yeah, maybe this guy you know wasn't quite what we thought he was you know since there he beat michael johnson which is you know a good victory to have and then this fight he also looked very good um and they're both knockouts right and this is something that there's not a ton there's not a wealth of guys at 145 with the kind of stopping power that he has so he brings something to the table um but really i mean you can look at the couple losses he here he has here and still think like well he still has a bit of ways to go right i think he was ranked what was he was he in the top 10 was he 10 in Bektik was like nine. I can't remember what the rankings were, but he's hovering, and this was a good win for him. So I think he's he's starting to get in the conversation, but he needs at least 
at least one very high profile win against a former contender, whether it's like a Brian Ortega or something along those. Oh, he'll need to string at least a couple more on before he really gets in that conversation. But he's climbing his way back up. And I don't think it, he's super it, young, Bobby, right? No, he's, he's like 34. Okay, that's not awful, but I mean, you're, I mean, you're look, you're talking about a division. We're looking at this division. I'm looking at who's ranked here. Like the number one contender, I think everybody agreed probably the next title shot should have been going to Alex Volkanovsky, who is the number one contender. Instead, we got Edgar. But beyond that, you got Ortega. Holloway beat him. Aldo, Ortega beat him twice. You know, after that, you got Zabit, Zombie. I mean, if he can get one with Yair, Jeremy Stevens, Moicano, it's there's guys there. But you're right, Mark. Want to win over any of those guys I mentioned? He can, you know. They can make some noise. Especially if he does it like he did this one. He gets a big knockout over a zombie or an Ortega. I mean, that really could raise his stock significantly in a short amount of time. So we'll see. Um, all right. A bunch of other fights happened. Uh, I think Juliana Pena got a W, if I'm not mistaken. She did. Yeah, and it sounds like they might have a she might have a quick turnaround time. I saw some headline about that. Um, which would be, you know, she's been out for what is it, a year and change, right, guys? Uh, gotta make up for lost time. She got a kid to feed. Yeah, that she's been out thirty months. She was gone. Wow. Yeah. Her fight so, with Shevchenko was that long ago. Yeah, and then she got pregnant. I think she got hurt, and then she got pregnant. Um, because she didn't announce she was pregnant until ten months after the Shevchenko fight. So, um, big win for her though. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to like. I mean, Nico Montoya. Montagna, I mess her name up every single time. Former champ, right? Yeah. Um, that was her first fight in the UFC in a year and a half. Uh, she she needs to win her next fight. Assuming that she gets another one. Um, all right, and uh, UFC gonna be uh, gonna be in San Antonio this weekend. We're gonna talk about those fights in a bit, but first, some news we got this week. Um, Bellator is doing another tournament. Guys, um, of course, that's what they do. Yeah, Mike. I mean, we got a tournament here for featherweight, and yeah, besides the champion, you think who's probably gonna be in this tournament? And you're like, well, we got to put Aaron Pico in there because that's what probably Bellator so. does. We're just gonna put Aaron Pico in these in these fights on TV. Um, actually, no, Aaron Pico not in the featherweight tournament. Um, Mike, maybe we are starting to think maybe we don't need to push the kid to the moon if he keeps getting cracked in every single fight. It it was a weird uh roller coaster of thoughts in my mind towards Bellator when I saw the announcement for the Featherweight Grand Prix. I first thought, God damn it, we're doing another tournament. I thought we were moving past this with Bellator. Or maybe they're being a bit smart. Did, Wait, did, oh. the, did the heavyweight tournament make you think otherwise? <laughs> well, well, hold on a second, because this is interesting, because MMA fans all fucking love Grand Prix, all right? But th- those are MMA fans who were watching MMA in like 2006. All right. Mike's experience with tournaments is, man, someone's going to get hurt. We're going to be waiting. We're going to have to wait four years to get this thing to finish. Because that's an interesting concept. I didn't even think because, like, Bellator's whole thing is just, hey, man, remember how cool, like, Affliction was? Does You know, Bellator's trying to take you in a time machine. And Mike here is like, no, nah, man, I don't need a tournament. I don't know. That's you, you know, different I, age I of fan, different it's... era of fan. I think it's one thing with nostalgia, um, especially with pride, where, yeah, you know, I think a, a 
a tournament can work out when all your guys are roided out and it's not like they're going to be in that much pain. <laughs> oh, my man. Injuries my won't coming. be... Swing it immediately. Injuries won't be as big a deal, you know, when you're on all the performance-enhancing drugs. But in this day and age of 2019, where guys are susceptible to get more hurt, where even though we joke around a lot about Bellator being on Indian reserves and, you know, maybe they allow a bit more, you know, a little bit more of those drugs, you know, they are still way more stringent than they are in Japan. And, you know, in how many of these Grand Prix that Bellator have had, has there been where everyone has actually made it through to the whole tournament? It's I mean, not happened. I mean, and I'm some gonna of take them a... have been very uninspiring Grand Prix at that. I mean, Chael Sonnen was in a goddamn heavyweight Grand Prix. You didn't like the Grand Prix where Ryan Bader got hit zero times in three fights? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Well, say, that heavyweight one, who got injured? I you don't know, remember maybe, when we started. Did. Maybe it's weird that half the you know lineup were not. You mean heavyweights. two middleweights and two light heavyweights, and then like three heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, I mean, I mean, Mike brings up a point that we've seen a lot of these Grand Prix from Bellator and other people do get hurt, right? And it kind of it. The whole point of the tournament is to see like in this class of eight fighters, who's the best. We're gonna have them all fight in a tournament, and all things go well. We figure out who is the best in that tournament, and I mean that's and that that's a fun idea, and it doesn't always work out, right? Because the way matchups are lined up. Someone could get an easy bracket and make it to the finals without hardly. And, and that's what happens a lot in tournaments. But at the same time, even with people getting injured, I would argue that sometimes that could make for even more incredible stories. What about the rise of DC, who wasn't even in the tournament, who picked up an injured, picked up a, a slot by an injury. And at the time, he, he struggled against Bigfoot. And we're like, I don't know if this guy's going to take it. And he demo- he walks through that tournament and puts a stamp on, on his name. I'm DC. I'm a fucking heavyweight and I'm a badass because he he walked through a lot of tough guys, including Josh Barnett, who he made look like a child in that fight. So, I mean, tournaments are a mixed bag. You never know what's going to happen. There's a lot of things you're risking. You're rolling the dice on a lot of things, but they can also create incredible storylines um, that you wouldn't get just by having random single fights and having a guy go up the ranks how they normally would. They have a fight here. It's a big win. This guy had a big name. He lost. Now, this guy leapfrogs that guy because he had a big win. I mean, there's different ways these things play out. And a tournament is just another way to facilitate that. And sometimes they're fantastic. And you have these great moments like Vanderlei Silva in the Grand Prix back when. And sometimes you have a weird thing where it's like, yeah, Ryan Bader, a lightweight, wins a heavyweight tournament. It's super weird. I think that normally the time a a, a tournament will be very compelling or when it should be made is when you are, are essentially trying to have a certain outcome come out. For example, in that Strike Force Grand Prix, even though it didn't happen, you know, I think the thing that everyone wanted at the end was what Hendo versus versus Fedor. You know, I no, think they Fedor and over. I think it was Fedor and Overeem is what we was wanted. Fedor and Overeem or Fedor. I think it was Fedor. I think it was Fedor. I don't remember. Didn't Fedor like have that terrible fight where Verdum and then just leave the tournament? That's how DC got in the tournament. Like Overeem just left. And just left the left the promotion. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Look, and- I, I think that I think there's no good one way of looking at this because, quite frankly, Bellator's tournament was exciting because they'd managed to achieve a situation where they had no heavyweight champion, and they just it just kind of was a mishmash of scenarios where there was still enough free talent out there that had you know survived post Pride Dream all that shit. Well, Dream was out there still, but Affliction Elite XC that. Dana and them hadn't gotten 
the 95% grasp on the notable names that they do now. I think to, to Mike's point, there's definitely times where a tournament makes sense. I think when a new weight division is introduced and we don't have a champion yet, no better time. You, you got eight guys on the roster. Let's figure out who's the champion. That's a great way to do it. When a belt is vacated, a tournament can make sense. And sometimes, I mean, UFC kind of has done it in the past, and it, but it's not structured as a tournament. It's kind of like, well, these two guys are top contenders. I think, Marcus, the last time was flyweight. It was when they made – I mean, if you're not counting Ultimate Fighter, probably when they did the flyweight. Though. Yeah, I mean, there, but there's been, there's been scenarios where it's like, okay, we have four guys. There's a vacant belt. Let's see how these two fights shake out, and then those two winners will fight. That's kind of like a mini tournament, right? Um, but I think to Mike's point about maybe being hesitant about, about this tournament and why I'm not super excited about this particular tournament is that Bellator has had a lot of tournaments at this weight division – the participants of the tournaments hasn't gotten mixed up very much. So it seems like we're having another tournament with a lot of the same guys that we've seen fight multiple times. I mean, there, there's some new names in there. It's not completely void of. I mean, maybe we should say the names, actually, because we have just that's we've said everything but the names. So we got um, Daniel Strauss, Derek Campos, Mark's favorite fighter, Sammy Cecilia versus Pe I'm calling him Sammy now uh, versus Pedro Carvalho. We got Manuel Sanchez versus Tywin Claxton. We got Pat Curran versus Adam Borix. We got Darian Caldwell, um, the former bantamweight champion, uh, and Henry Corrales. Um, we got AJ McKee versus Georgie Caracanian. Um, we got Daniel Weichel versus Saul Rogers. And we got the actual champion, um, Patricio Pitbull Ferreira versus uh, Juan Archuleta. They aren't doing a traditional bracket thing, so it's not clear who would fight who after each round. Apparently, it's going to be, I believe, random was the word, which I think is just code, Marcus, as you were trying to put it, that we don't have to watch Daniel Strauss versus Curran or Curran versus Pitbull or Pitbull versus Daniel Strauss. Yeah, by not setting up brackets, they kind of give them the ability, whether it's actually random or they need a card to fill, and it's like, of these four guys, which two will make a main event that people will give a shit about and buy tickets for? Um, it gives them a little bit more wiggle room, which I, I think is fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not super stringent that at the beginning of a tournament, I need to see the bracket. Um, I think you get a better picture of how things might play out with the bracket. You can kind of see, like, okay, this guy's probably definitely going to win this fight. Whoever wins the fight that he'll fight next to stylistically doesn't. You can start playing those kind of games without knowing who's going to be matched up kind of makes it more interesting because there, there's another layer of something that needs to be revealed to us but um kind of like i said before my personal feelings i don't know how you guys feel this tournament doesn't really do a ton for me there are some names in there i'm kind of interested to see how they do in a tournament setting you mentioned sam cecilia i mean he's, he's a fun fighter to watch i think um i'm interested in seeing how aj mckee does in all this i think his first opponent is kind of a a, a tough draw with um georgie karakavian i don't know if i said that right karakanian i think he was champion of World Series, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, I, there's some interesting things here, but ultimately, I'm just like, meh. Stefan, um, I think this tournament is, and everything Mark's bringing up, is really indicative of the fact that they got a truly excellent featherweight champion in Patricio Pitbull, and they are out of ideas entirely because he went up there and he won the lightweight title, too. They don't have I any... Mean, he did it beating Michael Chandler, so... They just don't know what to give him anymore, I think. He's just out here collecting scalps. That's my takeaway. What do you think? 
I mean, with the Pitbull brothers, I don't even know which one's which, to be honest. They're like the same person to me. You know how we say that we treat the Diaz brothers as one person? I definitely 100% unequivocally treat the Pitbull brothers as the same person. Well, this is how you can differentiate. They the same goddamn nickname. Little, well, little Pitbull is now the good Pitbull. Yeah, he, has two he was honestly, he's... He always I mean, well, I mean, I mean let's do it this way. I mean, that might be part of the problem here is why they aren't going out and chasing guys for him to fight because we still got like... Stefan doesn't necessarily... He hasn't broken through enough. That his, like, this, like... Because, honestly, man doesn't really lose. And then that Benson Henderson loss was him getting hurt after kicking Benson Henderson's ass for seven and a half minutes. You got one decision loss to Daniel Strauss, and besides that, all Ws against a bunch of guys with Wikipedia pages, to put it up, like, somebody like that. But still, you know, it's just part of I the mean, package deal. I mean, I'm kind of whatever about it. Bellator is going to do what Bellator do. But the one angle I haven't heard any of you mention, but the real key to this all to me, and it's what I want out of any tournament, and that's one night only. That is the key to the magical tournament is one night only, baby. Because what happened when we did it with Phil Davis? He got the only, like, two finishes of, like, the last, like, seven years of his career was in the same Man, night they and then six, never again. They got 16 guys, I think. That's yeah, okay, I'm, well, let's get to the final, like, you know, eight yeah, I mean, it, one night only. to Steph's point, at least, you know, what Pride used to do, Final Conflict, the last event, would be two fights in a night, right? They would have the semifinals and the final in one night. And I kind of agree with Steph, just having a one-night tournament, it's just you get that storyline condensed in one event instead of I honestly it don't know how they got away with it when they did it. With I mean, it, 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 honestly, I, with every, every fucking thing in every state, and especially they did it in this state, where, like, all they talk about is being a forward commission about fighter safety and all that shit. I don't know how they pulled it off, man. I mean, it, there, there's a lot of hurdles with that. Because, like, like to Mike's point earlier, injuries are a lot more rampant when it's two fights in a night. Because any small injury that you might be able to heal up in a month and the next event's not two months out. So you get a month to heal and a month to train. You can make, you can kind of fight through that injury. But night of, you just got to fight. You just got that victory, too. And it's kind of like, I want to roll the dice again. Like, again and see if i can win this final or you know i can take my win bonus here i'm injured i can't compete there's an there's an uh, alternative fighter that can can take my spot i don't lose any credit you know i probably a lot of times these guys that get hurt get the next shot at the champion because they were the rightful person to go there's all kinds of issues that come up with a one night tournament but as from the fan perspective i agree with stefan i think you get a very interesting storyline within the one night instead of i watch this event now i do like mike says i have to wait three months to get the next chapter of the story and maybe it's another three months so i'm waiting half a year to kind of find to kind of get the narrative of this whole story they're trying to tell with this tournament whereas in one night i'm there for four hours and i get two sometimes three fights and you get a story that's what k1 used to do but it's injuries are much more rampant and the the tournament itself usually gets compromised more but would you pay, would you pay money to attend a f the first round matchups of this tournament mark i mean that's what we're debating and i I strongly uh, would very much like I'm not uh, very interested if we don't get credentialed to see this event on my own time and dime. But you were throwing out forty dollars. I mean, at forty dollars, like, all right, well, I'm paying mostly to just do. I have, I have I have found the number where I'm willing to just do something, and that's forty dollars. That's pretty much the number. I mean, I will do X here for whatever forty dollars is. How good a seat are you getting for forty dollars? Not very good. I'm imagining mm -hmm. surprisingly not that bad, Mike. That's, that's we'll be in the we'll be in the upper deck, but we'll be like I mean, uh, sideline, not baseline. When we saw Barnett fight when we bought tickets. 
got gypped and had to buy new tickets. I thought we paid about sixty, and we were in the the middle bowl. Like they weren't bad seats; they were surprisingly yeah, good. Yeah, we were. Um, we were kind of by the entrance ramp, so you could like if we wanted to actually like get close to the gate, feel that heat, like high, give them a little high five as they walk by. So you'd be surprised, Mike. When it comes to Strike Force in San Jose, your dollar goes farther than you would imagine. All right. Um, I did not expect tournament talk to go that way. I'll be honest with you guys. But it was interesting. Um, all right, boys and girls. Uh, let's uh, let's make some picks for this card. Um, not terribly star-studded, but some good stuff happening. Um, first off, though. I'm going to hear the standings. Mike? One second. That's only one part I'm interested in, man. Uh, well, okay. So uh, the part that you are likely wanting to know about is the fact that so far, um, although he's he's making a strong push, but Mark is still in last place at 34 okay. and 29. All right. Kid Presentable is 36 and 27 after his 6 and 1 showing from the Jones uh, Santos fight. Someone else and was 6 and 1. You are uh the first you, you are the second first place holder at Not if you go alphabetically. And 26 and I am still at, at on top at 37 and 26. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tie. And let me tell you, what did I tell you? I'm going to take this from him. He is going to remain the only one not to win a championship. I'm going to have two of those fucking things. I'm going to get a trophy made with a fucking, like, like a plaque. And I'm a little thing. A little, I mean, look, it's really not going to be a trophy. It's going to be like an employee of the month thing. And it's going to say Bobby. It's going to say Mark. It's going to say Stefan. And you think it's going to say Mike. No, it's going to say Bobby again. All right. That's what's going to say. Let me tell you something. In any good and compelling story, the hero always has to suffer a little lull or adversity. This is my little adversity. Wait, so what was the last three years then, Mike? That was me getting built up to be the hero I am in year four. Yes. That's it's it's anime, Mark. You don't become Hokage in the first couple seasons. That's right. Sometimes if you don't if you don't get it done the first couple seasons you don't see a third. Not not every anime is Naruto. Excuse me, One Piece has been going on for twenty years. Not every Who anime is One Piece. One Piece, okay. Um, yeah. Bobby two times. That's what's gonna happen at the end of this year. All right. What no? What what do they, I gotta do it like Becky Lynch? Bobby two belts. I'm gonna be Bobby two belts. Give me five months. Um, and you know what? I like that we are giving Mike an opportunity to make it up this week with a card full of middling mid-card UFC guys that I swear to God, Mike is not sure who some of them are. Okay? Incredibly fair and just. (laughs) Yes, because quite frankly, I'm not sure who some of them were until I gave myself a quick refresher. But let's lead it off here with your main event of the evening. The man who caught the three-piece and a soda. From from Jorge Masvidal, the last time we saw him, Leon Edwards getting punched in the fucking face backstage in London, taking on the former lightweight champion of the world, Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA himself. The betting line for this one is not going to make it easy to pick who you think uh, pick the fight. Stefan? <laughs> uh, we got Leon Edwards at minus 120 with Dos Anjos coming in at even money, plus 100, plus minus whatever, even money. I mean, if we are not counting the sanctioned fight 
the unsanctioned fight between Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal, my dude's on a seven-fight win streak. But those of us who keep our ears to the grindstone know no, he's, he's 0-1, all right? That's what his record is in the last three months. Um, RDA, on the other hand, um, we keep waiting for him to be welterweight champion, or at least I am, just because falling into it. Hasn't happened. Stead, arm triangle. Kevin Lee, back in May, snapping a two-fight losing streak against... One interim champion and one real champion, Colby Covington and Komaro Usman. So, seeing if RDA still has anything left. Marcus, where are we at? Who you got? Yeah, this is a uh, really tough fight to pick. Um, I mean, Leon Edwards, like you mentioned, incredible win streak right now. But you look at those names, and, and there's a couple decent names on there, but they're not they're not blowing my, my lid off, right? Because you look at those on on the other end, and he's got some L's there, but these are fucking top-notch players in the game right now. We're talking... Champion Usman, interim champion Covington, uh, interim or actually I don't know if, if Tony Ferguson ever got that lightweight actual belt. I think it was an interim, um, and he, he held the belt himself, you know, uh, at one point. So it is really, it's a tough fight to pick. Um, I, I, I'm flipping a coin more or less, and I'm going to go with uh, Leon Edwards just because that streak's hot right now. But man, it, it for me, it really is a. Uh, coin toss and i feel like either one of these guys can get it done and i'm not super confident in either of them and i'm almost picking leon edwards because i'm less familiar with him and i feel like i don't have a lot of tape on him to really be like okay this is what he does well and doesn't do well i'm just kind of going on the trajectory right this guy he's getting a lot of heat with masvidal masvidal's getting a lot of heat kind of raises all ships i'm going with leon edwards but i don't feel confident at all in that pick Stefan, you don't like picking RDA. What are you doing? I'm muted. Am I muted? Nope. You're good. I'm not muted. Hey, good job. Um, yeah, I'm going Leon Edwards. Uh I I, I like RDA. Um, but it's a it's a gut it's gut check time for him right now. Uh Leon Edwards is twenty seven years old. You know, he he's rising. Um and he's six foot two. And that is kind of one of the interesting things in the tail of the tape for me, because RDA, you know, we always caught, I always kind of, you know, was concerned with him at welterweight, kind of thinking he's a smaller dude. Um, you know, Leon Edwards took a unanimous decision against Donald Cerrone. I know Mark said he's not impressed by a lot of things, but who's been surging in this damn division lately? That's Donald Cerrone. Um, and this is one of, Leon Edwards was one of the last guys to really take it to him. So um, that range you know, that shows he's got stand-up, right? Um, anyone who can take it to Cerrone like that can stand up. And he's going to have the reach. He's he's just a bit younger. He's just a bit hungrier. Um, yeah, it, it's deservedly close, right? But I think Leon's got all the momentum right now. Um, Mike, what do you got, man? I will not be the one to go against the grain. I'm going to follow my compatriots and take uh, Leon Edwards in, in this fight. Uh, at times, I like to go with uh, with what's in my plums, and my plums tell me go for the young dude, not the old guy. Bobby, ripe for the picking, right? I've been picking Leon Edwards in fucking fights for like the last five, and like f now the chicken, you know, now the payoff is coming for me, and all you motherfuckers pick him. God damn it! I'm gonna take him. I'm taking Leon Edwards. Oh, oh where's the plums, Bobby? This is a coward's good pick. A coward's pick. Could Bobby that pick win over Mike? You know how many times I pick an RDA in fights? Stuff right there. Oh, oh, okay. I got Leon Edwards, the man I was going to pick before this started. The man I'm picking after all these guys were done googling who Leon Edwards was. All right. That sounds that like being a really said, likely thing for someone to say right at the uh, end. RDA should wrestle. 
That's 100% what he should do. Leon Edwards is not a bad wrestler, but he's not a good one. That is what RDA should do. That being said, if RDA wants to roll the clock back about three years and do that thing he did where he would put off like 45-hit combos, that's another strategy. But Leon Edwards at this point knows what he's doing. He got he has to win this fight so I can watch him fight Jorge Masvidal after Masvidal takes the belt. You know, in all honesty, I had completely forgotten that RDA is that short. RDA famously passed out before the weigh-ins for the Eddie Alvarez fight, but one where he lost his belt. So that makes sense. Yes, man, from getting from not getting knocked out to getting knocked out, clean sweep on that one. Co-main event in this one: Alexi Ezekiel Choke Olenek versus Walt. I believe he's the big ticket. If I'm not mistaken, big ticket Harris sounds about right. Um, also the Vault and the Skull Crusher. I hope some of these are real on Wikipedia. Our guy Walt Harris. Uh, he's on- the Vault. He he's good at keeping secrets. Yeah. Yes, let's go with that. Man uh, who's on a one-fight win streak, a three-fight unbeaten streak, lost, got a fight overturned because he tested positive for LGD, LGD4033, which is an androgen receptor. Um, think it's supposed to s- help you come off of stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's not a good thing to test positive for. Um, our guy Ezekiel Olenek is older than everybody. Um, he's old as shit. Alex- Alexi Olenek is 42 years old. He's got like 80 fights. Nope, he's got 70 fights. 57 and 12. He's choking fools, man. Uh, and then he fought Alistar over him and he didn't choke him. He got knee in the fucking head. Um, that being said, I'm taking the old man here. I got Olenek because I don't think Walt Harris... I think I know everything I need to know about Walt Harris at this point. And if he, he could pull this off. What, what were the betting odds? I'm sorry. Um, it's more or less a coin toss. We got Walt Harris at minus one fifty to uh, Olenek's uh, plus one thirty. I've seen Alexei Olenek beat better people than Walt Harris, basically, and that was some of those weren't that long ago. So yeah, I'm gonna take the old man here. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. Just ba- going based off what the records have. I mean, Walt Harris. When I looked at him, I thought. Wow, he's old already at 36. Olenek may be a lot older than him, but, I mean, he's beaten Mark Hunt. I mean, he beat Travis Brown. I mean, granted, it's Travis Brown, but Travis Brown is still a big name and was still a talented fighter in his own right. Beating Crow Cop, beating Anthony Hamilton. I mean, Olenek may be old as shit, but he's got pretty good CV on him, so I'm going to go with him. I'm... I'm not if I'm alone here, but I wasn't done watching Travis Brown fight. Put, I felt we he could have kept doing this, especially that weight class, for a very long time. I understand why he doesn't necessarily want to, but I was I enjoyed watching Travis Brown fight. You enjoyed watching him uh, get knocked out. I enjoyed Head him getting bed. beat. I li- I liked when Fabrizio Verdun beat him up a couple times. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, you uh, enjoyed him in the sense that you don't like. Also, him I liked person. when he dribbled. I liked when he dribbled Brendan Schaub's head up the mat. And that was pretty fun. He had good fights, man. They weren't boring. He like he kicked mother. He like you know he had good fights and he was they huge. Boring because someone someone was getting CTE in those fights. How many times did he fucking lose? Did he lose that? It's heavyweight MMA. What do you think we're watching? Ballet? This is no he, one knows. No one's good. For, and they just throw heat for heavyweight MMA. It, it was you know. 
It was I mean, gratifying. Look, I know he went out on four losses, but the guy's only 36, and that's like 22 in heavyweight years. And went out with only 26 fights, but. All right, anyway, Mark, who do you got? I'm getting badgered here. <laughs> yeah, we're still talking about Travis Brown, for God's sakes. Who gives a fuck? Guys, he's out of here. He's with Ronda now. Um, I'm going to go with um, Alexi, too. Uh, the Jesus. one thing that really gives me hesitation is just that Walt Terrace, when he wins, he knocks guys out. But that is a consistent one in his career. He has 12 wins. He's finished them all. Orletsky has gotten finished a number of times, especially recently. So it's not really out of the realm of possibility that this dude just dribbles his head off the mat. You know, I can really see Walt Harris just putting the hands together and getting a knockout TKO win because we've seen this guy get TKO'd before. Um, I always have a hard time picking against these staunch, tough wrestlers because I feel like they get a hold of you. And the even if they don't stop you in that first round, the energy starts plummeting. You lose your explosive power and you become on the defensive, worrying about the clinching and the takedowns, and you can never get the hands off again. That's why I feel comfortable with Arlexi, but... Dude, I'm not going to come back here next week and say Walt Harris surprised the shit out of me. He TKOs this guy because that's what he does, and this is how this guy loses. So I think that scenario is very real. I think that's why the line is is kind of in his favor a little bit. But really, you look at those records. Like This dude has just had a plethora of fights. And Walt Harris, you know, some of these fights don't go well. He's looking close to 500 record, which always brings me a little pause. So I- I'm going to go with uh, Alexi here. But I-, I think Walt can get it done is all I'm saying. Stefan, I'll say, Mark, you kind of ruined the narrative that I thought we were going to have here. I'm going to say, while these two children bicker about who's going to win, I was going to quote our man Donald that real G's move in silence like lasagna and we just keep making good, smart picks. Digging Walt Harris. Uh, I like it. I like it. Stefan's picking all the black dudes tonight, guys. You know, That's the theme he's going with. You know I like middle-aged black and jacked. Uh, you know, those those young guys your brother always rooted for. They've got Wait, is, is he, he, he had to come off whatever he was taking. Is he still jacked, Walt Harris? Well, he, oh. I believe, like, is Walt Harris the guy who's fought, like, from heavyweight to welterweight because his weight has just fluctuated that much in his career? He's been all over the place, as far as I can recall. Unless I'm I, just thinking of another dude. I think Anyways, it's, like it's, it's, it's a else. coin toss. Your guy is old and gets knocked out now. And if he can't pull a guy and get this weird wonky choke that he keeps seeming to accidentally pull off over and over again, he does not win. So I feel like Walt Harris knows how to defend this one thing, or he'll, that's what he'll uh, train. I mean, sounds to me, Marcus, like Stefan's not aware Alexi can, if your fat neck is too fat. Look, all I'm going to say is I was ridiculously in last place for a while, but then this thing happened where you guys kept giving me the favorite because all of you took the underdog, and I slowly creeped back up. <laughs> that strategy's been working. He's going to keep rolling with it. Um, what else did I say we're picking? We are also picking... Um, Arlowski versus Rothwell. Yeah, this Correct. is a special request from Mark himself, who wants to make sure we pick fights with the oldest, oldest <laughs> people. For special requests, nothing. You're like, should we pick any of these fights? And I was like, here's five that I think are decent, and you scrapped one of them, so don't say this is a special order pick. This is... A fight where we know both dudes, and that's about as good yes. as we're going to get on this card. We got to say, Bob, I don't know how many times in the last two years I've asked you, what happened to Ben Rothwell? Where's Ben I, Rothwell? I mean, that's the thing here. I've got one guy who we've all declared dead, sometimes medically in our minds, like four times, against a guy who... There was that whole like five-month stretch where he was doing like a like a evil laugh. 
And that's the most memorable thing you can say about his UFC career. I've missed the evil count laugh. The uniform code does not allow him to wear the big cape anymore. I remember he did the laugh, and then Anik had a follow-up question, and he just, like, answered it. And I was like, that was uncomfortable for all parties. That was not necessary. <laughs> um, Yeah, this is not... There's a bunch of fights between this and... There's a lot of heavyweight fights on this main card. Um, half of the fights. I like the yeah. big boys. Yeah. Um, one of them should not be on TV. Um, Andre Arlovsky, if he came off a win, goddamn. He Andre Arlovsky, he has not won a fight since March 2018. Uh, he's lost to Tuivasa. Shamil Abdurrahmov, Walt Harris was the one with his decision also. And then Augustus Sakai. Ben Rothwell, you could tell me he fought anytime. He apparently fought in March. Didn't and see lost. that. Didn't see that. Uh, what happened? He was gone three fucking years. Let me get an explanation of what happened here. That's why I wondered where he was. Let's just get uh, to the picks, Bobby. Failed a drug test. Betting odds, Stefan. Minus 185 to Big Ben Rothwell and plus 160 to Mr. Andre Arlovsky. So here's the thing. I've picked Andre Arlovsky in a lot of these fights. Definitely the last three. Let me tell so you. you're doing I'm it getting... again, Bobby. No, you're doing I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the guy who, man, maybe he goes back on whatever he was on that may got him a two-year drug suspension, and he gets a win here. I only need the win to count for the next day. I got Ben Rothwell. Mark? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Ben, too, um, mostly because that layoff was pretty big, and, you know, he lost his return fight, but uh, Blagi Ivanov, ugh, how did I say that guy's name? I know him. He's a good fighter. Losing a decision to him isn't that big of a thing. Andre, it, we've seen this throughout his career, right? It does seem like the wheels are once again shaking adamantly every direction as you push the cart down the shopping aisle, and you're wondering, why did I pick this cart? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to pick that cart with the wobbly wheel. I'm going to go with Ben. I feel confident in Ben, and I also like Stefan's strategy. Why am I doing the hard thinking? The matchmakers, they're the boys that uh, do all the studying and picking. I should just go with them. They like Ben. I like Ben. Mike. You know, Arlovsky's uh, six-fight win streak feels like so long ago. Why is that? Because it was a long time ago. Four years ago at this point. And I feel like he's still getting a lot of goodwill from, from that little win streak. But now he's lost four in a row. Uh I think this is going to be the fight where after he loses this one, he takes off his gloves and leaves him in the middle of the ring. In San Antonio. That's right. Mike, picking the same result as me. Two fights in a row now. Interesting. Stefan. Actually, isn't it all three fights in so far? Well, no, I followed you the first one. and You gave oh, me a world okay. of shit. Stefan. Uh, yeah, big, big-fisted Ben Rothwell versus uh, another Glass Joe. Um Big Ben's got, he's got that sudden knockout power. Man, remember he got that really, he choked up, like, Josh Barnett. And I remember, I mean, he got my, I believe, submission of the year with that thing, with that. He got like a 10, it was like a 10 finger choke, right, Marcus? Yeah. I think? Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. He's getting some weird stuff. Yeah. He's yeah. getting it done. He called I mean, it the I'm a little choke. deflated right now. I don't know why Bobby shit on the laugh. The laugh is the best part about Ben Rothwell. And Bobby's like making fun I of said it. it. I said it was the most memorable part of his UFC career. Okay. No judgment. I mean, before that, his most memorable moment was Ben. Was Ben Cain uh, Velasquez kept picking him up, just kept picking him up, putting him down. He also had his silly victory dance that he did. 
Ben, ben Kane. Oh, he did do that. Well, Kane. I think I think Kane throwing with the air like a pizza pie was more uh was more memorable personally. Um. So clean sweeper, ben, Big Ben here. Yes, sir. All right. Let's see if we can get a little more variety in this next one. We got Raquel Pennington taking on the Pride. Well, not the Pride. What's the second of the Pride? The the second best person out of that Lobo gym. Irene Aldana. Um, Miss Pennington, I believe, has lost uh, two fights now since getting uh, two fights, including a battering at the hands of Amanda Nunes. Took a Missed weight in her next fight. Uh, lost to uh, Jermaine Durandamy in her home state, Colorado. We got uh, Irene, on the other hand, who uh, her last time we saw her fight was taking Betch Coea out in the third round when Betch missed weight by six goddamn pounds after not fighting for a long time. She's on a three-fight win streak. The two before that were decision. Um... That was her first finish in quite some time, which really tells you where Betch, Betch Coea is at. Betting odds for this one, Stefan. I saw him earlier. Kind of surprised me. Uh, yeah, I was actually pretty surprised to see Ildana at the, the favorite at minus 155 to about plus 135, I think it was, for uh, Pennington. Um, yeah, this one's a tough fight. You got to think it's people thinking, like, she missed, she got her ass kicked for five rounds against uh, Nunez. And in, remember, she wanted to throw in the towel and her corner wouldn't do it. That was that whole uncomfortable thing, and then she shows up three pounds over her next fight. It makes you wonder in a home in a home state fight, anyway. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, even though Pennington might be uh, considered the the underdog by Vegas, I can see their rationale behind that. But I still have faith in Rocky. I think that her championship fight probably did take a lot out of her, and it probably took her a while to recover from that. So I am going to bank on that. She gets her mental fortitude back for this fight and can rebound. So the internet gossip was that Miss Pennington and Miss Tisha Torres might have separated recently. We have been, I haven't been seeing uh, Tisha Torres on our Instagram be with Pennington lately. Yeah. So that might be it. Um, so that might make you, makes you wonder in general about someone's personal life having an effect on that. That being said, I like Irene Aldana, but she's uh, she's just like she's kind of like a Diego Sanchez type for this weight class, and not that Raquel's that much better than that, but I think she is still better, and I think this is gonna be awesome though. Just Stefan, these guys are gonna just wail on each other. I got Pennington, but I think it's gonna be a good fight, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I do too. I don't know if Steph's there. Uh... But, uh, yeah, I mean, so do you guys both pick? Yes, Pennington. Okay. okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick here, too. It is a really tough fight. Because um, part of me wants to... Because part of me, when Pennington was coming up, I was kind of thinking, like, when she got that shot, I was like, I feel a little early. I mean, she beat Misha Tate, and she had some good performances, but the record is not great still, right? She's 9-7. and seven. That's not a great record. Um, Irene definitely struggled when she came into the UFC, but in her last three fights, she has a couple good wins here. Um, I mean, they're not great. They're, they're not against t- top talent. You know, she, she ran through Beth Correra, which is good. That's a good win. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to go with Irene. I like, we all like Pennington a ton. Um, but my gut always said that, you know, and not to take anything away from her. She's such a tough girl, you know, and my heart goes out to her, but 
I think maybe the skill level is getting cap- capped. And I liked a lot of what I've seen with Irene, but sometimes with her, she doesn't. It doesn't all come together in a lot of her fights, right? I think she should have been able to beat Leslie Smith. I think that's a fight that she could have won if we saw the best of her, and it, and it didn't really turn out that way. So I'm gonna go with um, um, Irene, but I'm not super confident. But we'll see. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't hear that you went to me earlier. Um, I was gonna go with Pennington at the start of this. Um, you know, Aldana, she's been a little disappointing to me in her UFC run um, because both her and Alexa Grasso coming out of Evicta, they were coming in hot, the both of them. They seemed like they were both to be like, you know, blue chip prospects in their respective weight divisions. And hell, maybe that camp might have had two champions, um, but they both kind of started slow. But uh, as you've seen, you know, with Aldana and Alexa, both of them are getting better now. It, it is finally starting to click whether they're just training better, training harder, or they know what they're getting into at this UFC level. Um, they are picking it up. Um, I really wanted to pick Pennington earlier, but um, yeah, why the hell not? I'm going to take Aldana. Yo, I'm pretty sure there's an equation where Stefan is first place at the end of these, this card. So while Mike here was just trying to play defense, he fucked up. And now we're going to both be behind Stefan. When it was the Lakers versus the Raptors, no one realized the Clippers were just trading for Paul George in behind closed doors, making moves. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, this is this Saturday on ESPN. Um, which I like the time of the ESPN cards. Six fights is a lot of fights. Surprised ESPN hasn't said anything. Because it's a couple of ESPN cards now, which have been a little... Look, I don't think this is a bad card. Um, I would certainly complain about certain people on the main card being on the main card. Um, And James, we didn't talk about it, but James Vick and Dan Hooker should be a good fight. Uh, A lot of James Vick's, uh, a lot of the juice, you know, a lot of people gave up on James Vick uh, after Justin Gaethje whooped his ass in a minute and a half, and then he lost to Paul Felder. He's got to get a big win there. Uh, We also got Alexander the Great Hernandez. Which a lot of the shine came off this kid. He was 26 years old um, and unbeaten. And then Donald Cerrone kicked him in the head back in January. So people kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. Him and Trinaldo um, was the fight we almost picked, actually. Um, it's a good fight to see where the guy's at, Marcus. To, to, the guy facing a veteran of 29 fights. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Um, so yeah. actually, not bad. Just, you know, not a lot of star power. And just uh, apparently, excuse we're... me, there's actually a fair amount of star power on here. Roxanne yeah, Mike's favorite on this fight. And then, yeah. of course... This whole thing's and, on ESPN, by the way. Me, excuse me, Bob. I was about to introduce my guy. All right? The Cuban sensation. The man, the myth, the legend. Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres is fighting as well. Yeah. And if you're going to make a sandwich during this card, Sam Alvey's fight seems like a good time to do that. Yeah. How wow. Sam Alvey still has a job in this company, I really don't know. Shout out to Ray Borg getting those checks still. First fight from the the I thing, or has he had? A I think I hope he's fought. He, he had Ray Borg had a, Ray Borg had a tough stretch there. He had a uh, his young son was having a lot of trouble at the hospital when they after he was born too. Um, good to see him back in the cage though. Not bad. I just we're gonna sell this card with controversy. Apparently, that's what we're gonna hope people watch for. It's also the dead zone of sports that is late July. Nothing is happening. So, do you? ESPN's got hours to fill. They're gonna put this whole fucking card on ESPN. There is no fight pass portion. 
There is one, two, three, six. There's going to be like five or six hours of MMA. Yeah, I was counting it. It's about six hours. Well, they can, if they, you know what, if, they, if they're airing the whole thing, maybe they can just, you know, fucking pump through this thing a little faster. They, no one has ever done that ever. Has anybody ever been on Prime ESPN making $10,000 to show? Oh, they used to have Friday Night Flight Fights, maybe. Probably. Those guys were making like $800. Um, all right, let's go into stuff we like. But first, um, uh, the fight uh, sport community lost a legend today. Um, Pernell Whitaker, uh, Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker passed away, um, 55 years old. Uh, he was struck by a car um, and died, actually. It was just a horrible, horrible way to go. And if you, you know, follow people who know a lot about boxing, and I won't, you know, I won't act like I know more than most people, but I knew Pernell Whitaker was. He is, people who say Floyd Mayweather isn't the greatest defensive boxer of all time, people say it's Pernell Whitaker. Pernell Whitaker had a masterful career, was, Max Kellerman will tell you he is one of the top you know, he was the best pound for pound fighter for half a decade. He is among the top three, he says, pure boxers that, you know, he's ever seen. Man was immensely talented. And, uh, yeah, just sad, sad, sad for him to go. Um, if you want to just, you can go on. You know what? Just any, if you just Google Pernell Whitaker gifts, you can just watch him dodging shit, you know, like it's nobody's business. Just incredible, incredible fighter. Um, only had a few losses and, some controversial ones at that. So rest in peace to that man and uh, condolences to his family. Um, all right. Now that I made it nice and sad. Stuff we like. I'll go. I watched Aziz Ansari, Ansari special on Netflix. Did anybody else catch that? Nope. Too offended by him. Too offended by that man and his bad dating. Yeah. Um, I think it was called. I think it's called Right Now. It is. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um I we haven't seen Aziz. Uh, we haven't seen Aziz do a stand-up special in a while. Uh, part of that I think was he already it already been a while, and he was pumping him out like one every nine months. And then he had the allegation of sexual misconduct, which I'm bringing up because you're going to hear about it. Uh, in this show, he does address it, which is good. So it would uh, be awkward if he didn't, right? Yeah. Um, I will not. It's weird to say I'm not going to spoil a comedy special, but I thought like he was talking about this for a while. Um, there was I I didn't I don't know. At a certain point, I was like, well, he's just telling me about what's going on in his life, longer than I expected for a show of jokes. And and it, but he and man, I ended up liking the show overall. It was funny. Um, it was more, it was less boisterous than Aziz normally d- does with his show. He was just sitting on a stool the whole time. What percentage less was it reading him reading from his cell phone? Because that's where he jumped the shark for me with his stand-up. Like, he finally remember. got he finally got to do Madison Square Garden, and the dude is just reading shit off of his cell phone for, like, an hour. And I'm like, yes, yeah, stand-up has passed you by now. Um, no, I don't think he did that, really. He was He had some good stuff. Talked about R. Kelly, which was, you know, if you know any of Aziz's specials, he's talked about R. Kelly a few times, so... Yeah, that's my problem. He seems a little one note in his stand-up specials. No, honestly, I liked it. I thought he did a solid job overall. Um, 
It was a good show. It was worth your time. If you like Aziz's stand-up, you'll dig it. A uh, little bit, le- little less Randy. I think I want to put it that way. Bobby, can I ask you one question? Because I noticed this in all of the Netflix specials, and I'm pretty sure it, it's contractual in their agreement. Did he make a Netflix joke? No. You sure? He didn't even. He didn't. He Everyone didn't, he I've didn't. seen, they all have to make some kind. Well, of he, okay. Joke. I mean, like he talks about this. He says we're filming this for wherever it ends up streaming. Okay. Okay. So I mean, it's possible he didn't sell it until. Yeah, it was over. maybe. I just noticed that. Am I, and, and, which makes it sound like, to me like my dude paid. Streaming. He paid for it himself, is what it sounds like, right. based on that statement. Fair enough. Um, I check it out. The other um, thing I watched, which I highly recommend, and you're talking to someone, but you guys know me well, which is why I'm recommending this: the Chef Show. Um, basically, um, if, any of you guys familiar with the movie Chef that John Favreau put out? No of it. That's it. It makes it really hungry. Yeah, Stefan. I believe I talked to Stefan after I saw it. I remember I watched it. Eddie told me how much you liked it, too. Um, that movie was uh, really good. It kind of meant a lot to me because it kind of made me care more. And the guys here know how much I like cooking. And I'd already liked it a little bit, but that really was a turning thing. For, it made me get into a lot of stuff, that, uh, that show, that movie. So uh, in that movie, John Favreau plays a chef. He directed it. He wrote it. Relevant point here is this is a um, he, he the person who trained him to play a chef in the movie was a man named uh, Roy Choi, and Roy Choi is responsible. He was for the f- not, not entirely responsible, but he really kicked off the food truck craze in this country um, with the Kogi truck um, in Los Angeles. He put a food truck. He was a professionally trained chef. Got a food truck. And it happened when Twitter was exploding and people would, people in LA would just follow where the Kogi truck was going to be. Um, Stefan and I famously, his sister, famously for us, his sister dropped us off to go to the Kogi truck, but us morons thought she just wanted us to go to the Johnny Rockets, which is where we went across the street instead of the Kogi truck, if I'm not mistaken. That is not how that story went at all, Bobby, but whatever. <laughs> what, 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 you would got to question my story. The narrative's fine. Um, anyway, Roy Choi, uh, told, uh, is the one who trained him. So him and Roy Choi are just kind of like, it's not one set thing. Like they go to like Atlanta, a restaurant in Atlanta and Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland and uh, Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers are all there. So they go to that chef shows him all of his shit and then they'll go in the kitchen and they'll like make a very spicy vegetarian stew with Gwyneth Paltrow. And then like Bill Burr's on there because he really liked the grilled cheese in the movie and they teach Bill Burr how to do that. It's not all celebrity shit. Some of it is just like they go to Franklin's in Austin, you know. Or, you know, they go and learn about how to make, you know, uh, Vietnamese food. If you like cooking, it's a really cool show, quite frankly. Um, and if for no reason you can learn how to make the uh, Cubano roast pork from the movie, which made me want to buy a plancha and I still want a plancha. This did not help that. Anyway, it's really good. It's called The Chef Show. Not Chef's Table. Different show. The Chef Show. Check it out. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? Not much for me this week. Uh, one thing I would just say that I like is uh, Little Puppies because for most of this episode, uh, Stefan had his uh, little new baby uh, boy puppy uh, on his lap. And instead of uh, gracing us with uh, his face, he graced us with his uh, puppy for pretty much the whole uh, podcast. So um, baby animals are the things that I like this week. 
Cheers, Mike. Argue. Cheers. <laughs> Playing to the crowd. Can't get a lot of naysayers there. Um, does the thing have a name yet, Stefan? Uh, he does. I've kind of gone back and forth, uh, wavered on the name for a while, but I've kind of settled on the one that has, uh, as Marie Kondo says, uh, sparks the most joy for me. Um, and that's right. me calling him. Now, before you say it, can I have a guess at it? You can have a guess at it. There's a very obvious key theme. Uh, food. Uh, is it, I was going to ask, is it the same theme of food as lumpia? It is not a Filipino food, though adobo was a highly recommended name. I was going to ask, how many Filipino foods do you have in your back pocket besides adobo and lumpia? So, Mike, that was going to be my next guess. Boba? <laughs> Boba was on the list, and it was, in fact, really quite close. I was possibly going to outright call him Boba Fett to be a double whammy of food and nerd thing. But in the last weekend, I've met like three dogs named Boba. And uh, as I said to my coworker, I don't want my little puppy to be a basic bee. Um, that's a common name, apparently, in the dog world. All right, that was my only guess. Well, fair enough. No, I mean, Mike, you were pretty on. They were on the finalist list, so uh, you weren't far off. Um, I've gone with a Korean food name, uh, which came at the recommendation of my best friend Stacy. Um, the proper his proper government name will be Bulgogi. But uh, just calling him Little Gogi, it's cute. Um, Gogi, it rhymes with the Tagalog word pogi, which means handsome boy in uh, the Filipino language. So uh, Gogi the pogi or pogi gogi, it's cute to me. Um, another friend said it makes him sound like he's a Pokemon. Gogi, I choose you. Yeah, he's my little boy bulldog, nephew, a biological nephew of my older bulldog, Lumpia. Um, keeping it all in the family. I guess I'm just transitioning into me right now. <laughs> I got a new bulldog, and I'm super excited about it. I'm exhausted, like a new parent feels like. Uh, there is pee everywhere. Thank God I have my own washer and dryer, because laundry is about to be a daily task. Um, on top of my pup, uh, I recommend a Netflix special. I saw Joe Coy's newest stand-up special. Um, dude was hilarious. Uh, did a whole bit. I mean... He's one of those things. He panders to the Asian crowds. He can do the accents really, really well. Um, he's in Hawaii, too. A pretty uh, diverse Asian area, so the jokes hit pretty well. Um, and on top of that, last week, I got a random invitation uh, by a friend to a concert at Oracle Arena. And I went. You know, she offered me the ticket for free. It was Wednesday. I lived five minutes away. Um, I was not familiar with the group. It's a genre I've dabbled in and out of. Um, I haven't been a part of it in several years, so I was really... Uh, you know, foreign to me, but shit, am I caught up in its catchiness now? I am talking about a K-pop boy band called Got7, and holy shit, do I love them now. Uh, I got a favorite member, I got a favorite song, fuck. Army of screaming girls at uh, Oracle Arena with their green, like, Olympic torch lights that they all waved in unison. They got their unison chants. Um, it was fun, you know, it kind of reminded me of the old J-pop days, um, crazy how diverse the crowd is, you know, I expect a lot of Asian people at a K-pop concert, but like white people, black people, Latino people, like K-pop has truly become mainstream and part of me will never believe it, but, um, I had a lot of fun at that show. Got7, if you're into some catchy ass pop that you barely understand, check them out. Marcus. Uh, yeah, not a ton this week. Um, I've been looking forward to this coming Friday for a good while because there's a lot of stuff happening on Friday that I'm super excited about. Um, the first one being the video game Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Um, 
I've been itching for a good, another, I should say, a good Marvel beat 'em up type game after Spider-Man, even though I have some more Spider-Man to go back to and play, and I've been anticipating that as well. But I've been looking forward to um, Ultimate Alliance for a long time. If you're not familiar with the series, this is a four-player co-op, uh, very much beat 'em up style, kind of a lot of people compare it to the Diablo series, you know, with camera and kind of, you know, how you have powers on cooldown and stuff like that. So I think it's a, an apt comparison. Uh, personally, what I'm really excited about um, playing Ultimate Alliance is just that you get a a good swath of different Marvel characters to play as. And I'm really excited to try out the original Avengers and even some of those less known characters like um, Elsa Bloodstone, who I've come to know in the last couple of years. Um, some of the X-Men characters like Wolverine, who we've, you know, sadly have not seen in a lot of video games recently um, because of the whole Marvel Fox thing that kind of has gotten tightened up. So, yeah, and I've I've also just liked the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. The first two came out on the uh, PS3 360 era, um, and I'm just excited. I'm, I'm also like that um, it has to do with the Infinity Stones and Thanos, and even though that arc has kind of ended in the MCU... I've always found it kind of fascinating. It's kind of a an easy pull for me to be like, oh, all these characters want these powerful stones. That's an easy narrative to create for me to be enticed by that. I mean, all the cameos and stuff. I'm sure we'll see. Um, I'm just really. Are we, all get, are we all getting on Switch? Is that what's happening? It's the only place you can get it. Okay. So it is. It but, is uh, to the Switch. It makes it a little bit more enticing, I think, as well. Switch's online still sucks, though. It does suck very much. So, I mean, and I'm not really... Man, I have, I have that. I have not used it yet. I should probably do that. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> anticipating that we'll all play if we all get it and want to. I'm totally down. What, I, which I, what I'm actually the most excited for in this game is that they have a new camera angle, which instead of it being top-down, is a little bit more behind the shoulder. So I'm kind of hoping this makes it easier for you to tell where your character is and what they're doing because probably the biggest problem in these games is that you have four characters fighting upwards to like eight other characters and there's all these superpowers and particle effects blowing up it is extremely easy to just lose track of what the fuck is going on let alone what your character is doing um they tried to help that by silhouetting your character with a color so like i'm i'm the green character so i see to look out for my green silhouette but i think having this camera angle that's going to be more focused on your individual character i feel will get me engaged in the game a little bit more um so i'm just really excited i've been looking forward to this for a long time and uh it's so close. I'm very excited. It's going to be kind of my my Marvel itch until the big Avenger game comes out next year, which a lot of people aren't super hot on. I'm very optimistic about that game still. Um, but also making Friday very special is while you can watch Aziz's special and Stefan, who was the guy that you mentioned he had a special on Netflix to Joe, Joe Coy. Um, those are some great specials you can watch leading up to Friday because Friday is when the next season of Queer Eye comes out, which I've been thoroughly enjoying since their relaunch on netflix i never watched it when it was on cable but gave the netflix show a shot instantly fell in love what a heartwarming just good vibes even though some of the episodes are kind of sad show that show just makes me feel happy you know and that's awesome um but also dropping on friday is uh comedians and cars getting coffee and this was definitely a show that I came kind of late to. I didn't watch it until it was on netflix but once i gave it a shot and watched a couple episodes i was instantly um, in love with the show, not much of a car person, um, but just having these conversations with comedians has always been fun. You know, I can appreciate cars as much as the next guy. So having Jerry be enthusiastic about the cars makes it very exciting. So, yeah, my uh, Friday and weekend are going to be full of quality Netflix and video games. So I've been looking forward to that. Very excited for that stuff. 
Right on. Um, all right, boys and girls. We'll see you next week where we're going to talk about this pay-per-view where if the main event goes down, they're fucked. Like, seriously fucked. Um, think looking at this, they're talking about UFC 240. If I'm not mistaken, that's the number. Um, which UFC, which, which the subtitle should be, the UFC tries to sneak, sneak two pay-per-views in the month of July because there's a lack of content on, sports content on TV right now that's drawing any sort of revenue. So maybe they can sucker the general public into paying $60 to watch this tripe. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have heard them if they punched it up a little bit with the, I don't know, a couple more fights I gave a shit about, but they, Man, they do what they are, do. We are so hostile to this product that we cover on a weekly basis. I'm just, look, if you want money from me, I understand Chris Cyborg calls you costs you a lot of money, but I'm assuming you're not paying Felicia Spencer more than like fifty grand. Oh no! So maybe you maybe maybe you give me another fight worth a damn because I just paid money and the third fight on the card was Masvidal getting the knockout of the goddamn century. Yeah, I'm here with you, Bobby. I got the stingiest pockets of us all. You know? Yeah. How often do I criticize because we love and we just love the pay per view you gave us? I mean, me and Bobby were just like, holy shit, this pay per view is so worth all the money we're paying for it. And then we have this one where it was like, man, I don't want to pay any money for this. Holloway just lost his last fight. I have a hard time calling him champion. Look, if you want to tell Henry Cejudo with his sling, or he doesn't even have a sling. He was flexing on TV. If you got Henry Cejudo and old man Faber in the cage next week, I'm willing to accept it. Okay? I, I like. To this is a circumstance. Just send him. It doesn't have to be for a belt. Just No one's going to have to make 135 or 125. You know, Favors hey. got a kid. He's out. You know, he's enjoying life now. They both show up at like 150 pounds. We just do this, all right? None of you for a bit. That's how I accept that fight. I figured it out, guys. Um, all right, back next week to see if uh, Leon Edwards has an opportunity to get a uh, three piece and a soda one day in a more comfortable location. You know, really, that fight's going to happen at some point, right? Like, same as you're not. Yeah, I mean, it already happened once. People learned that if Jorge Masvidal's hands are behind his back, because his hands were behind his back before he uncorked them on Leon Edwards' face, and before he kneed Ben Askren's soul into the seventh row, Ben, you do not trifle with Jorge Masvidal. I okay? mean, it's not a sucker punch if you're squaring up, Bobby. He also is fine with you calling it a sucker punch, as I've mentioned before. As he still tell you, I've got the best sucker punch in MMA. Uh, also, just speaking about Jorge Masvidal. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, he was on the last hour of the Dan Lebetard show sometime last week. That was actually really, really good radio. He's actually really funny, especially when he's in his element and it's nothing but Miami guys that are talking. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Lebetard Cuban also? I mean, like, you found a Cuban guy from, you know, South Florida to get behind here, right? Like, let's, you know, get on board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lebetard and that whole show were just tickled pink by Masvidal. I mean, the, who isn't? He's a charming motherfucker. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say how wonderful it is that CP3 is in basketball hell. We'll all see you guys next week. I was Dr. Law. He was Lavender Gooms. He was DJ Mark. That fellow holding the dog was kid presentable. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. It's episode 340. Oh, oh. not 185. Oh, yeah. 341. Sorry. 341. Not 185, not 215. 316 was close, but Stepan's just trying to be funny. Episode 341 of It's Time Amazing Radio. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.